Welcome to The Determined Mom Show, the only marketing podcast dedicated to guiding mom CEOs into tranquility, wealth, and multiplying those precious moments. Welcome, everyone. I am here with Stephanie Zenos from The Money Muse, and she is here to share with you an amazing topic. She's going to tell you all about investing in yourself and claiming your financial independence and building true wealth. So welcome, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, definitely. So tell us about your business and how you got started with money and the money muse. Yeah, so it's a funny story. Um, So I like to call myself a recovering rocket scientist. So just, you know, maybe about two years ago, I left the world of space. Um, I worked at NASA and SpaceX and started my own business helping women with money. And my whole life, I've been interested in money. And I was always helping people in my life, my friends, my family on all different topics. And it sort of just dawned on me one day that maybe I could help people that I didn't know. Uh, And that's when Money Muse was born. That's awesome. That's a great, well, first I'll say it's a very um, far reach from, you know, being at NASA to then helping people with money. It's kind of like, what were you doing at NASA? Let me ask you that. Well, I was an engineer, so I studied physics. So I was doing engineering and something called mission management where you're the face of the mission and you interact with the customer and you manage high level technical requirements. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. So it's kind of still like in that technical kind of, I feel like money to me is like a technical thing. I don't know if that's true or not. Do you feel that way? I mean, it's definitely numbers all around. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So good. Um, So that's awesome. I love it. And I love that story. And I love, you know, that you have found a passion for helping people with their money, especially women. So what is the number one struggle that you see um, women going through as when it comes to finances and money? Yeah. So women are great with numbers, but for some reason, we seem to be brought up to maybe think that talking about money is rude. So even when I was in college, you know, all of my guy friends were talking about money, talking about stocks, talking about their offers for jobs that they were getting. And all of my girlfriends were not talking about their offers, not talking about salaries. And so I think the main thing holding women back right now is women Um, and just maybe not feeling comfortable sharing Uh, our money success stories or our money questions and failures. And I believe that if we spoke more about money with our friends, there's so much collective intelligence, um, things that we know and things that we want to know that we would truly be uplifted and kind of just brought to a new level. Yeah, that's so true. I never even thought about that, but you are a hundred percent right. Like when I get together with any of my friends, even now as an adult, you know, like pushing 40, like I don't have any friends that I actually talk to about money or anything like that. So very, very true. So have you used um, these techniques to kind of enhance your own financial kind of perspective? Yeah. So because I I also grew up in a household that never talked about money. Um, And so I was really determined to be good at it. Um, I had kind of a bad experience when I was growing up with a stepfather who wasn't too kind to my mom and we didn't have the money to leave him. So I was really determined, like since I was 13 years old, to be good with money. And I'm self-taught, right? I just slowly by surely taught myself everything. 
And now I bring up money all the time. And I love to kind of like see people's reactions when I just spit out a number, you know, maybe I'll tell them how much my villa um, made this year in rental income, or I'll tell them how much money I'm living on. And they'll just kind of look at me and I'll be like, what? (laughs) So I like to get the conversation going. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. It's one of those, like, you can see, like, the recoil, <laughs> like, whoa, you know, um, because I'm sure that they're wondering if you're expecting them to do the same. They're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I would love if they did. <laughs> yeah, and that's great. And what you, I think what you're trying to do is really get people to a place that not only do they have money to talk about, <laughs> right, um, but they feel comfortable talking about it and not making it a taboo. Is that right? Yeah. And it's kind of a ongoing struggle. Even for me, I talk about money all the time now. Um, I'm financially independent, which means I no longer need to make money. Um, but I choose to work because I enjoy it. And even still, I still have a hard time sometimes, you know, charging what I'm worth or asking someone to pay me for my services. Like it, it is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that, uh, that whole, uh, mindset and all of those beliefs that we've grown up with and, all of those, uh, what are they, what is that? Internal programming, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you going to transform our kind of our beliefs about money and our system and, and that kind of thing in your talk? I'm really excited about this because I think I need help in this area. (laughs) Yeah. So one thing I'm really excited about talking to moms specifically is that I see all the time with my clients who are mothers, there is this idea that somehow taking care of ourselves or our money is selfish. So often I'll have a client that says something like, shouldn't I be, you know, saving for my kid's college instead of investing in my own retirement? Or shouldn't I be spending more time with my kids instead of getting my money straight? But I truly believe, especially for moms, that to be fully present and, um, you know, able to support your children through their lives um, and to be emotionally available, you need to have your own money and safety taken care of. So we have to, like the airline says, put on our mask before we help others um, so that we can really show up and provide value and be there for our kids um, and the other people in our lives. Yeah, that is awesome. That is so true. And I never really thought of that as far as being a mom and that kind of thing, but it's so true. And I remember when I was pregnant with my first daughter, of course, everybody's like, Oh, how are you going to pay for college? Like what? She's not even like born yet. You know, like that's one of the first things that people say when you say that you're pregnant, it's like, Oh, how are you? You know, are you starting to save for college? Like what What the, you know, like, I don't know. I think that's funny that you, you, <laughs> you said that and tied it together because it is absolutely 100% something that people say. And I think it's one of those things that like gets in your mind yeah. before you even have your child, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love that. Okay. <laughs> so, um, do you know anybody other than yourself? Cause we already know that you, you're getting it right, but, um, that's really getting it right as far as like finance and hitting it like right on the head with how they have organized things. And can you kind of tell us a little bit about what they're doing? Yeah. So There are some women in my life who I feel like are really getting it right. Um, I wouldn't use any of my direct family members as an example necessarily, but I have a pretty good group of friends now that I have spoken to about money and we have kind of 
built a little circle of trust, right? So we talk about all of the money stuff that comes up. Maybe, you know, we're making a quote for a gig or maybe we're trying to invest in some resource for our business. And we're like, is this going to be worth it? Is it really that valuable? How will I see that value through? So I have close friends now that we can talk about all things related to money, um, which is so helpful when you're an entrepreneur to have someone kind of in your circle that is going through the same thing and who has opinions and will ultimately show up and just say like, yes, you are worth it. So lucky for me, I do have a good circle of friends now that I can talk to about money. That is awesome. I'm glad to hear that. And I think that is something when they say like the five people that that are closest to you that you surround yourself with, you become, um, I think we all need to kind of look for those um, that are either trying to do better or are doing better than we are, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. What is one tip that you could give us about it right now before your talk, before your, you know, before your talk um, that we can do to improve today? So one thing I would say is every time you're spending money, we tend to think about spending money as like money in, money out. But rather than thinking about money just going away, I want you to think about any spending as an investment in today you. So whether that's your happiness um, or some resource that you need, or maybe it's an investment in yourself. Like a latte can be an investment in you and getting through your work day and staying driven and focused, right? So... I really like to change the mindset about spending and think about it more as an investment in us because we ultimately have needs um, and spending really does increase our happiness. Uh, sometimes it increases it for five minutes. Sometimes it increases it for months or years. Like I really just want people to bring awareness to their spending and think about the impacts that it has on their life. Yeah, that is so true. I, I recently upgraded my office and I like put up wallpaper and curtains and um, the only thing I have left to get is the rug, but I'm trying to decide between a couple of them. So, um, but it makes such a difference, right? It's not even a huge investment, but it makes such a difference in how you feel about, you know, your space and everything like that. So that might not be a great example, but I think it is an example. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, do I really want to spend money on going to this bar class? I'm like, but it's good for my mind. I build community. Like there's all these things. So yeah, yeah. that's a great point. Okay. Awesome. Well, um, definitely, definitely you need to check out Stephanie's talk. She is going to be on day two and she's going to be in the business category. So make sure you check out her talk and it is going to be amazing. So today I have with me Jamie Van Kuyk of Jamie VC, and she is going to talk to us about overcoming delegation fears. So her topic in the summit is going to be all about overcoming those fears. So Jamie, let's go ahead and get started. Tell us a little bit about you and your business and how you got started. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Amanda. Yeah, so I started out in corporate. I was on the leadership track there growing teams, working my way up from, I actually started the corporate company as a temp and left there when I was on the leadership team. I loved what I was doing. I loved my team. I loved my career path, but I always had this bug of, I want to start my own business. So finally the time hit shortly after I had my second daughter, we were having a really big struggle of finding a quality daycare to put her in. And I was like, all right, I am 
done searching. I'm having trust issues with anyone I could find. I'm like, I'm going to start a business. I can do it home with my daughter by my side. My husband and I had always talked about starting a software development company together. So that's what we started. Told my husband one day, I'm quitting my job. I'm learning how to program and we are going to get this company off the ground. Yeah. Lasted about six months in that and then realized I hated software. Yeah. It wasn't just so much that I didn't want to code. I didn't want to be in that industry, in that arena at all. Yeah. I was like, I am done. Um, so I did know that I didn't want to go back to corporate yet at that point in time. So I knew if I went back, I would never gain the courage to leave again. Cause I'd always have that bug in the back of my mind saying, well, last time you tried, yeah. it ended up not working out. So maybe you should just stick in corporate. So I told my husband, I was like, I need a few months to figure things out and, and decide what I want to do. When I had first left my job, I was lucky enough that that company had hired me on as a consultant for a few projects, help wrapping up some of the stuff I was working on and then helping with a few other initiatives. And I realized at that point in time that I loved consulting work. A lot of the projects I was working on were around developing other people on the leadership team. So whether it was helping a new manager transition into his, into his new uh, excuse me, position as a manager for the first time or helping do other sorts of training for leadership team, realized I loved it. So I thought that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go be a corporate leadership trainer and working with first time managers. During that time, I had a membership to our local chamber and I was like, well, let me still use this chamber membership. Let me go. And there are a mix of corporate companies and small businesses in the chamber. Let me network, meet some people, find out really what the need is. And as I was networking, I kept finding myself talking to small business owners and hearing over and over again, you know what? I never had to hire until I had to do it for my own business or I never led a team. And here I am with a business that requires five, 10, 15 people to run, or I bought a business and it came with employees who are loyal, had been with the company 10 plus years. And then within six months, they were all gone because I didn't know what I was doing and it was, wasn't a good transition. Or people would say, you know what? When I was in corporate, I had management experience. I hired people, I led people. But now that I'm on my own, I realized how much support I had in that environment. And now I don't have that support. So people would ask, can you help me? And at that point in time, I was like, no, I'm going to try to stay in my own swim lane. I'm working with corporate companies, but I'll find you help. And I was having such a hard time finding help for these people. Yeah. Mostly because a lot of the people that were working with small businesses on hiring or on leadership, they were focusing on bigger companies, ones with 50 plus employees that were making multiple, multiple seven figures. And I was like, but what about the small companies? What about the companies that are going to hire for the first time or having such a hard time finding that first loyal person on their team and they've been through eight duds and now they're trying to determine is even worth hiring or trusting anybody to help me with my business. So I decided that I would focus on those small companies that are really new to the hiring environment. That's awesome. That's such a, I'm, I'm so happy the way that that came together because you found the niche, you know, like, like it found you kind of yes. um, by accident, but those are almost always the best type because you're fulfilling a need, you know, that's in there. So that's awesome. Yes. I love it. So let's talk about your topic. Um, how are you going to really get over, help us to get over those delegation fears in your, um, in your summit reporting? Yes. So 
the biggest thing to remember is just always tell yourself when you're worried about delegating and handing things off is, does it need to be done by you or does it need to be done right? Mm -hmm. And you'll realize there's things in your business that yes, need to be done by you. Maybe not forever, but at least right now they do need to be done by you. And then there's everything else in your business that just needs to be done right. And if that's the case, it just needs to be done right. You can hire someone for it. You can train someone on it. So you don't have to do everything. And it's about letting go and building trust and then giving the right expectations of what it means to do that job right. Wow, that's awesome. Now, do you have a little plan for us? Do you have a little map or something that we're going to be able to kind of work through that? I mean, it sounds really simple when you say, can it be done by you or does it have to be done right? Well, I guess it should always be done right, but um, (laughs) does it have to be done by you or does it just have to be done right? So I love that. I think that'll easily allow us to separate, but is there anything added that you're going to give to us in the summit that is going to really make it super simple for us to figure that out? Yes. So I do have a worksheet that helps people walk through really what what is it that I need to hand off? How do you set expectations? You know, what does it really mean to be successful? Because once you know all that stuff, you can easily measure if someone's doing what you want them to do or not what you want them to do. Because sometimes when we are fearing delegating, the person could be doing things exactly right. We just, we're just like, oh, I don't know because it's not me. So when you set expectations ahead of time and my workbook and everything does that, helps you do that, you can then be very clear of, okay, it's not maybe exactly how I would do it because everybody's different. There's always going to be little minute things that are different, but they're doing it right. They're meeting the expectations. They're meeting the performance results that I need with this task or with this job or with this role. That's awesome. That's perfect. Okay. I'm excited for that. I'm literally um, in that stage of delegation right now and I, um, I need to figure all of that out. So I'm really excited to kind of dive in and, and uh, watch your summit uh, recording and really learn all of that and use the worksheet. So, um, so how did this method work for you personally? Have you had to delegate anything out to Um, like, do you have a VA that helps you or do you have anybody on your team that kind of helps you? And have you had to try to do that for your own business? Yes, I have. But of course, learning how to delegate really started back in corporate. And I was just remembering back then, like just having to let things go to my team for the first time. I was always and still am kind of like that overachiever. I like to be like, oh, well, give me everything. I can keep piling on my plate. Give me, give me, give me more work. And then sometimes I was getting that work from my management team, but my team would be sitting there being like, okay, I completed all my projects for the day. What else can I do? Or what can I do to get to that next level so I can move into a leadership role? And I realized that there was stuff I was doing and holding on to that if I delegated to my team, I was starting to help them prepare for that next step. Because if you don't help employees prepare for the next step within your business, they're going to take that next step outside your business. So having to really learn to delegate what I could hand off and then learning to come back and say, okay, I had you put together a PowerPoint presentation. I remember the first time going and wanting to move everything around and change everything. And I really had to sit there and say, okay, does this PowerPoint presentation, this slide convey what it needs to convey? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes, it does. Why am I changing it? Oh, I'm changing it because it's just not exactly where I would want, uh, where I would place it. 
yeah. it's like, but is where I would place it important. So no. So it was like teaching myself there. And now in my own business, I do have some things that I delegate to other people. I have someone who helps write blog posts and then it's just being very clear. Okay. This is the topic I want to write on. Mm-hmm. If there's things where I'm like, okay, cause I am the knowledge expert in the topics. Here's where I want you to go and you know, pull information from here's these things and just being very clear of what I, what I expect. Also this role in particular we were a few months in and I got a post back and I was just like, okay, this isn't, at first I was like, oh, this one's not very good. And then I started looking at, it, I was like, well, why is it not very good? Yeah. And really being like, oh, well, some of the stuff's not very good. It's personal preference that I never communicated. So it was like having to remind myself to go back. And it's like, it's not a sign not to trust this person anymore. It's a sign that I need to communicate some things I never communicated to before. Yeah, yeah. that's so true. And I think I think that in itself is one of the fears of delegation of like doing it wrong, if there is such a thing as doing it wrong. Um, But I know that you're going to help us to kind of overcome that as well um, in your talk. So I'm super excited about that. So what can people expect when they try out um, your method of overcoming the fear of delegation? So what they can expect is, you know, being very clear on what you need to do, you know, so that way you can properly hand off things to a team member and then how to communicate when things aren't going well. So how do you measure those expectations and how do you reset expectations? Because when you're able to do all that, you can get the help that you and support that you need within your business. Because when you try to hold everything yourself, you can only go so far in your business. You have a personal capacity. So either you have to trust other people to help you grow your business or you become stuck. So when you delegate and go through the tips and techniques I'm going to share with you, you're able to expand your business beyond yourself or beyond the team that you have today and be able to go in new directions and earn new revenue and create more profit for yourself. Hi everyone, Amanda Tento here, and I am here with the fabulous Katie Fleming, and she is going to be teaching us how to create our fixed six-figure to-do list and go from hurried and hustle, hurried hustle to strategic flow in our marketing. So welcome, Katie. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah, and um, I am very excited for you to be here, and I love um, networking with amazing women like you and also learning from you. So um, definitely, definitely tell us a little bit about your business before we get started. Sure. So my business came out of my own journey towards figuring out what business could look like alongside of raising a family. And when I immediately say that, it takes me back to the moment where, you know, I had a four month old six years ago who um, I had figured out a way to make money from home and was doing like the virtual operations systems kind of thing from home, not really realizing there was this whole online space here. And she got to this point where she stopped napping. It was really hard to still do the client work while showing up as the best version of myself for her and my family and also myself. Um, And I just remember having what I call a kitchen floor breakdown moment where I was literally on the kitchen floor breaking down, telling my husband, Hey, I can't do this anymore. I've got to throw in the towel. I'm just going to be a stay at home mom. This is what I've I've got to do. And he said, baby, you totally can do that. I support you. Whatever you need to do is fine. But I also know you. And I know that weeks down the line, months down the line, you're going to come up with some new business ideas, some new grand way to change the world and make the and things better. So why not just figure out a way to take what you've already started and pivot into something that 
will actually serve you. Mm -hmm. And so it's not been like a quick journey, but over the last six years, it's been realizing, okay, what are the business models out there that are actually going to serve me in the best way, my clients in the best way, and also my family in the best way. Because there's a lot of gurus out there, a lot of people out there that, you know, are 30, 40 year old men Mm -hmm. who have great advice, but it doesn't necessarily apply to us women who are at home as primary caregivers of our kids and our families. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. I love that. So how does that, um, what do you do now? Like how to, how do you help people now? So now I coach mom entrepreneurs who are scaling their services, coaching and consulting businesses to six figures. And they're wanting to build that into their life in the way that works best for them. So for a lot of them, it's 20 hours a week. Um, for some that it looks like 10 hours a week, or maybe it looks like more, but it doesn't really matter. The point is, is that we define what your ideal mom life is and we build a business that's going to work around that. That's awesome. I love that. And I think that's the, one of the things that we struggle with the most, but what do you feel like is that biggest struggle of a mom that has a business and is trying to get to that six figure mark? What is the biggest thing that holds them back? So one of the biggest things is that, that they think they're missing something. They're constantly seeking that magic bullet or the one thing that they need to get success or, you know, one more podcast. I just need to read one more book and do one more thing. And you have all of these different piece together marketing strategies, but really nothing is pointed at what's going to bring you the highest and best return. Mm -hmm. So in my methodology, I start off with messaging. We've got to figure out who you're talking to and how you're helping them. Then we can go into offer structure and making sure that offer structure actually fits with your ideal life. So as like a dramatic example, you can't work with one-on-one clients for a hundred dollars a month Because in order to hit a six-figure income, you'd be working with 80, if I'm doing the math correctly. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's just not feasible for like having a family. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not. (laughs) So we got to have an offer structure that's going to fit in and bring the highest transformation for your clients, but also give you the highest leverage as an ambitious mom. So then we go into your marketing plan and your sales plan. So those are the four steps of my methodology. Okay. That's awesome. So can you give me an example of someone, maybe a client, a former client, or just anyone that you see out there that's really getting their marketing and their messaging and their offers and everything right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's figuring out um, specifically like what is that one thing that's going to be bringing in the most leads for you and going all in on that until you've got it figured out and dialed in. You can bring in other sources after that. Um, But the one that's coming to mind is Katie Farrow. She um, came to me kind of making some money in the online space, um, selling courses, had all this complicated stuff going on. And we really got clear on who she was talking to and how she wanted to serve them. Simplified her offer, simplified her marketing plan and simplified her sales process as well. And she scaled pretty quickly into 10 K months. And now it's been almost a year, um, since working together and she just had her first $20,000 month. Wow. That's awesome. That is, that gives me goosebumps. Um, I love those kind of success stories and I love hearing that it's possible and that, you know, like I think all of the moms watching, um, probably maybe got a little bit of goosebumps from that because that's what we all want. Right. And you know, my favorite part of that story is not the numbers. It's the fact that she now works her business in the same amount of time that it used to take her to commute to her corporate job. Wow. That's awesome. (laughs) It's crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Cause she probably has what automations and processes and systems and, and all of those things. And it's maybe more passive. 
Um, it's a bookkeeping business, believe okay. it or not. Yeah. Oh, wow. So just systems and some team and, um, just, you know, really being efficient, but, um, she awesome. has three kids. She's so busy like all of us, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. I love it. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I, for one, cannot wait to, um, watch your talk and learn, um, your system and all of the things. So I thank you so much for being here and being part of the business mom summit. You're welcome. I'm excited to share the six figure to-do list with your ladies that are joining in. Awesome. Hi everyone. It's Amanda Tento and I'm here with Caitlin Eldridge from Eldridge CPA. And she is an amazing wealth of knowledge for mom business owners in every area, taxes, accounting, everything, budgeting, um, everything that you can imagine. However, she is going to talk to us today about taxes. So welcome, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, definitely. I'm very excited um, to have you on and to have you kind of dive into telling us which of these um, tax pitfalls that we can avoid. But before we do that, let's talk about how you got started in your own business. Yeah, so I have been a CPA now about 10 years and about two years ago, we had twin girls with a four-year-old and my husband's in the military. And so all of my corporate experience was just not working out with our lifestyle that we needed. Um, I also found that working with these big companies didn't let me connect with the client. There was always someone above me who got to go to the meetings and the coffees and talk face-to-face -face, and I didn't enjoy that as much. So when the twins came, it seemed like a great time to kind of pivot my life. And with that, I decided to open my own company and start helping small business owners, specifically female-owned um, businesses, really take control of the finance part of their business. That's awesome. So um, I can imagine that having twins on top of a four-year-old, uh, was she four at the time? Yeah, uh, when they were born, she was two and a half. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. Okay. So yeah, that would not be conducive to that environment. Like even just not even talking about those professional things, you know, like the not meeting the clients, but just the life part of it, I can completely understand how that did not mesh. <laughs> it doesn't. And when daycare requires you to pull them out for 24 hours, I was like, someone's going to get sick on Monday and then yeah. the next one Tuesday and the next one Wednesday, and maybe I'll go to work on Friday. Yeah. I just knew it wasn't going to work out. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, I'm so happy to hear that you have figured that out and that you've been helping um, female entrepreneurs to kind of figure out their own accounting system. So I love it. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the biggest struggle that you see people um, encountering when they are going to do their taxes? Like what is, what is it? Oh, it's, there's a mix. There's a lot of fear around it. So taxes are this big, scary thing that the government puts on us. And it seems designed to keep everyone out of business. Because if you don't understand it, then you're going to mess up and the IRS is going to audit you. And there's just this panic that ensues. Um, so that fear, I think, creates a lot of procrastination and avoidance. And so when we can break through that, and really, it's not scary. Yes, there's a lot to it, but there's guidelines and rules. And if you can just connect with the right person, we'll get you through that fear. Um, so that's a big part of it. That fear also leads to a lack of organization. So when you don't know where to start, you don't. And so there's no records, there's no receipts, and those are very hard to fix. Mm -hmm. So it kind of puts you to disadvantage for losing money because you can't take the deduction. But once you can fix that piece, you can start saving that money. Yeah. Okay. That's, 
That's a, a probably one of my biggest pain points is avoidance. Um, like I will put it off until April, whatever, 15th or 15th. whatever. Sometimes it's the 17th, which I really love when that happens. But um, but yeah, I, I will definitely put it off till the last minute. Um, so I'm totally guilty of that. So what are some examples of ways that people can kind of, or maybe one example of a way that people can kind of um, make this as painless as possible? The absolute most painless way is to hire somebody. So the sooner you can hire somebody and the sooner you get in contact with them, it just becomes this painless thing. You still have to keep the receipts, Mm -hmm. but there is someone else now holding you accountable, doing it for you, checking in with you, and you have a partner. Um, Any good person you hire should be like a a CFO that you've hired and they should be in contact with you about the finances of your business. Short next step of not hiring somebody is just monthly, monthly going in and doing it and sitting down for that two to three hours, blocking your calendar off and saying, I'm going to tackle this today, not tomorrow, but today. Okay. Those are really good, uh, really good tips. And so how long you you say it would take like two to three hours per month about to do it? Once you get your system set up, that's what it should be. Setting up that system might take a little bit longer. Um, But if you've got a feel for the software you're using, you've picked one that you really like, you have a system of where you save your receipts, um, how you're going to scan them in, I think you could probably toss on a good movie and get it done. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. I think um, this is airing just after tax season has ended for 2020. Um, I mean, the, the actual session, but there's still a lot of time left in the year to kind of put all of these things that you're talking about in place. So then that way in 2021 in January, um, which sounds really far away, but we all know that it's like, like four right around the corner. I don't know. Yeah. Like to me, it always feels like I go to sleep four times and then it's the next year. I don't know. Yeah. But um, yeah. So putting these systems that Caitlin is going to be teaching you into place right now, right here, April of 2020 is going to be a lifesaver come next year. So it really is. And you know, June 15th is when the next estimated payment is due. So we really don't have that much time before the IRS is asking for more money from a small business. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a very good point. And it's right around the corner. So, um, do you have any like software or systems or anything like that that you really recommend that are great for people to keep, keep track of things or, um, like maybe an app on your phone? Like what is like, the must have for your clients? Yeah, I really, QuickBooks is the leader in the industry. Um, They have developed a very robust system that incorporates a lot. So though you're paying for it monthly, they have given you a mileage tracker, they've given you a receipt bank. They're allowing you to import all of your banks and PayPal's in so that you're really starting to just match things Mm -hmm. um, rather than having to sit down and type every entry in. So they, I really like them. However, FreshBooks and Wave are coming in fast and people really like them for the low cost solution. And when you're starting out, I really believe in kind of test driving a couple and seeing what feels right Mm -hmm. and what intuitively as a business owner you can get. If it's too hard and too confusing, you're not going to use it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I've seen with people with QuickBooks is that it is a little bit, almost a lot, you know? Like it's everything that you as an accountant need, but then as a business owner, you're like, well, I just need to know what came in and what went out really like, you know? So I love that you have multiple recommendations for that. 
That's awesome. It's really good. And QuickBooks is great with the detail. And when you're making big decisions, you need a software that's really breaking it down to your revenue streams, even knowing when it's time to cut one loose. But until then, when you're really getting up and going, you probably can pick from the variety that are out there and be okay. Okay, perfect. So what is um, the best investment of time that someone that is going to be watching your talk is going to be able to make after they see it? They're really going to be able to walk away with less fear. So we're really going to talk about those things that make the IRS come audit you and really kind of throw up those red flags. And so we can beat that now. You're not going to have that fear anymore. You're also going to know what you need to be tracking. So rather than this big dump of receipts and you're like, I don't know what to do with these. We're going to kind of walk through which ones really matter and which ones you need to worry about. Oh my goodness. That is pure gold. I love it. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to see your talk and I hope that it will help me also get to be less fearful and more organized and less procrastinating. Um, I don't even know if that's a word. Uh, procrastinatorial. <laughs> is that a word? But yeah, so um, whatever that word is, let's get rid of it and replace it with Caitlin's session. So then that way we can get over it. So um, thank you so much for agreeing to be part of the Business Mom Summit. I know that you're going to bring so much value to everyone that watches your session. Oh, it's my pleasure. I really can't wait to talk to everyone. So. Hi, everyone. It's Amanda Tento, and I am here with Rachel Lindsmeyer-Jenks, and she is probably my favorite business coach. Not probably. She's definitely my favorite business coach, um, and I absolutely love her. She has a business called The Fulfilled Mama, and it is amazing. She teaches moms how to overcome all of the obstacles in their business and basically get their time back. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for that wonderful welcome. Yeah, definitely. You are my favorite business coach, probably because you're my business coach, but um, <laughs> I might be partial. Um, but anyway, so let's go ahead and talk about your topic and how you got started. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I always say I went to school for a very, very, very long time to get my law degree and my CPA and a master's in business. Uh, to find out that once I had kids that I didn't want to be stuck in an office and I didn't want to be tied to somebody else's timeline. And so I, after having, we have six kids and after having our six one, I just said enough was enough of the whole office environment. And I decided I wanted to start my own online business. That was about five and a half years ago. And I actually started in the health and fitness industry um, because I love that industry. I've always loved health and fitness and it was something that I enjoyed and I thought would be just a ton of fun to work with. But over time, I realized that the biggest obstacle that the women I was working with came up with was that they just didn't have enough time. And I also learned a lot of business strategy and all the ways to build funnels and how to price your offers and all those things. And so I gradually evolved into helping women with their business strategy, but also with saving time in that business strategy. That's awesome. I love it. Um, so what is, do you feel, um, your topic is you're going to be teaching us goal setting for business and financial growth. Now, what do you feel like for mom business owners in particular is the biggest obstacle? I think the biggest obstacle is that when we start our businesses, I, and I did the same thing. We typically say, okay, I'm starting this little side gig. I'm starting this little side business. And we don't set strategies and goals in place from the get go. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves like a year or two in and we want to scale it, but we don't really know what that looks like. 
or where we want to go. And we just kind of are stuck in this kind of flying by the seat of our pants mentality where we just, um, we know we want to make more money. We know we want to do bigger and better things, but we're not sure how to get there because we never really got the firm foundation of goal setting and those systems and things in place from the, from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So are you going to be in the, in your session, are you going to be teaching us those systems and processes or um, giving us those guidelines? Yeah, I'm going to start by helping the, us business owners setting our goals. And so really looking at that overarching vision, because when I started my business, um, I was in network marketing and the whole thing was working, you know, until your blood, your knuckles were bloody. It was like work, 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 work all the time. So I found myself, I had my phone in my hand constantly. I was constantly messaging people and constantly working and working after my kids went to bed and getting up early and all these things. And no human being can sustain that long-term and especially not when you have a family. And so really looking at your vision, yes, it involves growing a business. Yes, it involves creating an income. It involves stability. But for me and for the moms that I work with, and I believe the moms that you work with too, Amanda, it is about having freedom so that you can still go to their school plays. Um, This morning, my son had kindergarten readiness and it was like a no brainer that I was going to go do that with him and it wasn't a hardship. And so just being able to have that time freedom and all that type of thing. So looking at that overall vision, you want to make money. You want the independence. You want to have this amazing business where you're helping. I always say women and moms, since that's who I work with, but also keeping track of what's special to you and what your values are and what um, you want to hold on to while you're building that business. Yeah. I think that, I think you hit the nail on the head right there as far as, um, you know, that being the most important thing for all of us moms that are business owners, because we need that flexibility. We need that time. And we kind of crave that, especially if you're coming from a corporate environment, um, into, uh, you know, your own business. That's literally probably the number one reason. Like I want to be able to work, have an income and also be able to show up for all of the things for my kids and be there when they get home from school and get them on the bus and take them to school and all of those things. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it's the number one reason most of us leave the corporate world and move into our own business as we want to have that freedom when our kids are sick or have kindergarten readiness or an activity going on at school or for, you know, a vacation or whatever it might be, just being able to have that flexibility. But I think a lot of times um, moms believe that to scale their business to that next level, they need to give that time up. And I help them see that their vision is possible without having to sacrifice a ton of time with their family. And so, you know, using um, business strategy, like I said, I'm a mom of six. We are rarely home after 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Today's a rare day for, for me to be home. And we're always on the go, but still being able to build your business while you're doing all of those things because you don't have to be run ragged. You can find time for a workout. You can find time for sleep and all those things and just have this totally fulfilled life. Yeah. And I think I know you personally. So um, I know that you have just an amazing, so you, you have six children mm-hmm. and three of them are heavily involved in gymnastics. Four of them. Four of them. So yep, four, the of these, four girls are. <laughs> four of Rachel's children are mm-hmm. extremely heavily involved in gymnastics. And I don't mean like, um, <laughs> just like they go like to practice like once a week, they go like every day, they travel to other cities, they travel to other States. Um, Rachel Mm -hmm. actually helps organize the gymnastic meets. I mean, like it's crazy the amount of involvement that she has in the kid's life and you homeschool, right? Yep. I do. I homeschool two of the kids. Yep. And she has her own business and she supports her husband in his business. So Mm -hmm. she is like a great example of if anybody has their time organized and uses it properly, it is Rachel. And she still gets everything done that she needs to do. So, um, I, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most. I don't want to show you what the room around me looks like right now, but most yeah. days it's all put together. That's but like right. a big part of that is setting your goals and having them set in line so that you're able to do all of those things mm-hmm. and not wasting time doing a bunch of stuff. That's not going to get you where you want to go. Yeah. And I think that is what I love about you. And I love about your coaching is like, if it's not important, you're not going to do it, you know? And I love that. So, um, awesome. So I am very excited to watch your talk because, um, I want to learn everything that you have to teach and I'm very excited to have you as part of the business mom summit. So I hope that you are going to attend Rachel's talk and learn how to, um, you know, grow your business through goal setting. So thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. Hi everyone, Amanda Tento here, and I am here with Allison Nelson from The Nelson Company. She is going to be teaching you and me um, how to use Trello to organize your life and business. So welcome, Allison. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Yeah, definitely. So um, I do want to start with asking you how you got started. I know that you are a business coach, um, Mm -hmm. but I also want to kind of figure out how you got started and how you kind of figured out that Trello was the right thing for you. Sure. So in 2018, my husband and I actually started a business together. Um, We started an e-commerce business. Uh, It's a boutique for women who are busy moms and they wanted to, we, we wanted to have our target audience laugh a little more, create community. And what I found was a lot of women were coming to me and asking me for business advice. Um, So I said, wow, okay. So I helped some people and decided to become a business coach about a year ago. Um, And in that time, I realized that most of my clients, what they really truly need is a way to organize their business and their life so that they can really truly find that work-life rhythm that we all aspire to. Um, So that is where I started with Trello. I feel like I have tried every other project management system that's ever existed online, Um, even the ones that are sort of like Microsoft Excel and um, you know, things that you don't have to pay for or anything. And I came upon Trello when I hired my first business coach to help me with my business coach uh, business. <laughs> and, um, and I just loved using it. I loved being on the other end of it. And I said, you know what, I think this is, I'm just going to try it. So here I am about eight months later, totally obsessed with Trello and telling everybody I know about it. Okay. Awesome. I love Trello as well. I use it for collaborating with my husband and weird personal boards that are just like collecting things and links and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's I, really less well, clutter. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so what do you feel is the biggest hurdle that people face when they're trying to kind of get organized and um, figure out how to use Trello? I think the biggest uh, struggle that people have with their business and what Trello can fix is that there are so many moving parts, especially when you're starting your business, you have so many things you need to do. And even just marketing your business alone, there is so much that goes into that. Um, writing a blog post takes like 20 steps. A lot of people don't realize that. Mm -hmm. Uh, so how do we sort of work around our life if we have children or we have a nine to five and still not have this business that we want to become a big success, uh, just blow our head up. (laughs) So how do we make sure that, um, that we're getting everything done and something that's ongoing, we don't let fall to the wayside. Um, I think, the consistency is king in business. And I believe that Trello puts that order and, and consistency back into your life. 
Okay. That's awesome. And that's a really great way for them to almost overcome the challenges. Like, so it's really like the tool that will help them to overcome those challenges that they're facing. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I love it. So what is the biggest hurdle that you personally have faced um, with getting organized, um, whether it's like with your daughter, with your business, with your family, um, that kind of thing. And how has Trello kind of helped you to overcome all of that? So my biggest struggle was having a, knowing that I needed a list of things, sort of like a brain dump, knowing I needed to brain dump every single night or every single day or even every single week about everything that's going on with my family um, or any future plans I wanted to make or with my business. And I would find that after I brain dumped, I didn't know what to do with the information that I had on my piece of paper. Then it just looked like this huge to-do list. And that's very overwhelming and anxiety provoking. Um, so Trello for me has allowed me to organize all of my thoughts. Um, so if something, if 10 things come out of my brain during a brain dump and they're actually weak things I do weekly, then they go into my weekly Trello board. Um, if it's something that I'm thinking about now, but it's happening in a month, say with my daughter in school or something like that, that goes into a Trello board that I have just for her. Um, and it's got due dates on it. And I know when I can look at it and not feel so overwhelmed. So Trello has given me the opportunity to not have the huge to-do list that we all love to make, but hate to actually use. Do. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to, to hate <laughs> actually implement and um, check off all of the things. I understand that. Yep. Um, so if anybody is watching and they don't actually know, um, really what Trello is. Can you give a little bit of an idea of what it is? Can you use it on your phone? Can you use it on your computer? Um, like where, you know, give a little bit of an overview of what the actual software is. Sure. So it's a project management system. It's a website. It is an app as well. You can get the app too. Um, and I like to think of it as basically this board of sticky notes, but it's actually organized. So sticky notes in the fact that you can color them just like sticky notes, you can move them around the way you can move sticky notes around, but it's digital. So it can come with you wherever you are. You don't have to have this big wall of sticky notes um, and you can have as many Trello boards as you want. And they can be, um, they can be pictures or they can just be text. They can be checklists. You can add, like you were saying before, you can add links, uh, resources and things like that. So it's basically a way to keep any email you've ever wanted to keep, but not keep it in your inbox. Um, it's a way to, it's a way to make it as visual as possible because I believe we are mostly all visual learners. Yeah. Uh, so, I am. right. So it's a great way to sort of have that sticky note, um, feel, but have it a lot more organized and a lot less, you know, I don't know, tactile, I guess a lot less crazy, <laughs> so, and also you can share it. So like you were saying before, you can share it with your husband, you can share it with teammates if you have any, or if you will have some in the future, you already have your system set up for whatever thing you want to set it up for in your business. And, you know, you hire a VA in a year, you hire an accountant in a year, a bookkeeper, you can kind of just say, here's my process. This is what I've been doing. So yeah. it's a great way to, that's what Trello really is. Um, I know a lot of women use it for just when they're on the go, if they're going food shopping, you can use it for that too, because you may throw out your food shopping list at the end of the week, but isn't it more efficient to have your, you know, your kind of constant food that you always buy every week or every month, um, on the same board. Just yeah. check. 
Yeah, I I have used it for that in the past, but I, I kind of go back and forth between the two. So um, not really consistent with that. But if I was, I would definitely be using Trello. That would be my preferred method. <laughs> no, I know. It can be hard. It can be hard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, okay. So what is one thing that you want everyone to know that will basically change their life if they start using your method for Trello? So I want people to know that if the only way, the only way that I feel you can grow your business and scale your business to where you want it to go is by being consistent, by staying consistent and by having consistent action. Trello is a way to keep you accountable for that. When you're an entrepreneur and you're a team of one and there's nobody else to keep you accountable. Um, so that is what I want people to have the biggest takeaway of that. This is kind of your best friend, your best business, your business bestie and keeps you on track. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am very excited for your talk and I know that there's going to be a ton of things that I'm going to learn by watching it. And I hope that, um, you, uh, the audience will definitely check out Allison's talk and she is going to be on day three business. So check it out. <laughs> Hi everyone, I am here with Katie Horner and she is an amazing, amazing coach, business coach. She coaches women, Christian women that are business owners and she is here to talk to us today about courses. So creating your own course and welcome Katie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. So I have some questions for you that I would love to ask. So let me ask you first, how did you get started in your business with business coaching? Okay, so short story, because it's a really long story, but um, we have lived in Mexico since 2007. Um, and we came down originally for mission work. And so when a couple of those assignments kind of ended unexpectedly and we were stuck here, literally stuck here, <laughs> didn't, you didn't have the income that went with the assignment that we didn't have anymore either. We're like, well, now what do we do? And so we decided to start a business and that business became uh, lemonhaas.com that provides training and homeschool materials for Spanish speaking families. Um, and then a couple years into that, once we kind of figured out on our own, this whole online business stuff, we started training English speaking online business owners. And so all of that has morphed into what it is today with Handprint Legacy, where we train Christian women in business to create courses or to speak and uh, write their books, get their message out to the world that they have to share. So that is awesome. So what is the biggest struggle that you see um, those women business owners having when it comes to like creating a course or um, kind of figuring out even what they would create a course on? A lot of the women that I work with come to me with like this message. Like I want, I know people need this. I want to get this out there, but they don't either. They don't have the confidence or they don't have the marketing background generally. Um, so it's like, Oh, but there's so many other people teaching this. Why would people want to pay me for it? Or, um, or like how, like once I create it, how do I know it'll sell? How do I get it out there? And so we help uh, them figure out how to pre-sell, how to prove that they have something that people are going to want, and then how to create a curriculum. My background is, is uh, master's in, in teaching and curriculum development. And so helping them create a really solid curriculum inside of their course that's going to push their people through to get that transformation that then allows their students to be some of their biggest fans 
which then makes the marketing of their course easier because they've got people on their side already. Oh, that's awesome. I think it's awesome that your background is in, um, you know, the curriculum because that's extremely helpful for, it seems like all of your businesses, right? Right. (laughs) Obviously you naturally uh, went that way. It makes sense. So who do you know that is just nailing it in the online course world as far as you can see? In terms of a, um, someone who's like created a course to get their work out there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. We have, well, one of, one of my students is in the uh, downsizing and smaller living space. Mm-hmm. Uh, tiny house, she speaks at a lot of tiny house movements. Her name is Brenda. And she created a course to teach people how to downsize. She went from like 2,100 square feet to like 210 square feet in 30 days. Wow. And so she documented that process that she went through herself. And we helped her turn that into a course, which is now also a membership. And is one of the things that's helped her create a book and want to speak on stages and encourage other people to be able to live a happier, more fulfilled life with less once you kind of break through some of those emotional and mental things that keep you attached to your stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I am obsessed with watching the tiny house shows and <laughs> we have one of our speakers actually moved her family of five into an RV. And so now they like live in an RV and they um, go all around the all around the country. And I'm like super envious of that. I have, uh, I can totally relate to that, like need to get rid of all the things, you know? Right. (laughs) Um, So I'm glad that, you know, she's getting it right and it's really working for her. The membership sounds amazing. And I'm sure that every time she speaks, she can add a lot more members to that. Right. 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 Awesome. It becomes, it becomes your, your course becomes then sort of this launch pad for this whole product suite, you know, and you can, you can mention your, your speaking inside your course, you know, with your students. And then the course leads to, if you've got the book, you know, and it just all sort of complements each other. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Um, I think it's really important to know how those things tie together. And I think that's kind of what you're going to lay out for us in the uh, session, right? Yes. Yes. We're going to be talking about all the ways that you can um, create a quality curriculum in your course, like we talked about earlier, to get those people through the transformation. But then we're also going to talk about things like the student experience and things like um, they may not, they may, the thing that they take away, the biggest thing they take away from your course may be how you treated them more than what you taught them. Um, and a lot of other things that go into um, making your course success that, that, that a lot of the online how to create a course courses don't ever mention. Like you hear a lot of hype about put your course together, get it out there, make a lot of money. Um, and yes, you can absolutely make money with it, but we want to focus on like, why are you doing this? What's the motivation behind it is to change their lives. And so let's do everything in our power to make sure this is going to be a transformational course. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, like you said, that's one of the things that is missing in a lot of those online course classes and things like that. So I'm really excited. That's why um, as soon as I saw that as a potential topic for you, I was like, yes, we definitely <laughs> need that. Everybody needs to, to learn this. So if you don't know already, Katie's topic is um, the blueprint of a successful online course. So please definitely um, make sure that you um, enroll for her session 
and it is going to be an amazing, amazing opportunity for you to really hammer out those details. So thank you so much, Katie. Yeah, I can't wait. Hi everyone, Amanda Tento here, and I am here with Jennifer Weber, and she is a trademark and copyright attorney. She's going to be teaching us all about trademark and copyrights, and what they are, and why protecting them is important for us entrepreneurs. So welcome, Jennifer. Hi, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I am very happy to have you here. Um, this was a topic that I really wanted to have included in the Business Mom Summit because I know a lot of the established mom business owners are at that point in their branding and in their business where they might want to start that process of trademarking and copywriting and they're not sure if they should, if they shouldn't, how to do it, all of those things. So I'm so honored that you're here to share this with us. Well, thank you. Um, it's something I absolutely love to do. It's why I wanted to go to law school was to do trademarks and copyrights. I'm that interested in it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and so what I love is really helping people um, learn about this. And a lot of work I do is, is to educate people um, because the, the concept of intellectual property, people might think they know it or they don't. Um, and so I just help break it down and then help people strategize on how to value, identify and value their intellectual property in their business. I love it. Okay. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in your business and in helping um, entrepreneurs. Gosh, well, I am one um, and I've been an accidental one and an intentional one. <laughs> sort of both I love ways. It. Is, um, so I, I really truly wanted to do, um, I've been practicing about 20 years and I really wanted to do intellectual property because at that time and space, um, trademarks and copyrights and the idea of intellectual property converging with the internet was all new. So I've been working, you know, in that space, uh, for, for a while. And so after law school, I started my own firm basically without, it was just what I was doing, enjoyed it and was good at it. And my other clients were other attorneys actually. So it worked out for them. I was providing a service that at that time didn't exist. Now you can hire pretty much anyone on a contract basis, virtual assist, you know, yeah. um, but that was new to me in, in that space. Um, then I got to spend about a decade with a firm um, and really niching in uh, to intellectual property and litigation. So I've seen it from all sides when things are going well and help you protect or what happens when you did something a little too late or not at all. You know, and most people think of lawyers as they're on the plaintiff side, you know, or the defense side and trademarks and copyrights, you have, you can be wear both hats because you want to protect your stuff and you might need to stop someone else from harming your brand, or you might find out that you accidentally are getting too close to someone else's brand. So I help people navigate that and being proactive is the best thing um, to learn about it to know what you should do and think about and then being proactive and setting a budget. Um, it's really important, you know, uh, to keep things and, but just to, you know, keep going and know what to expect. So you're not getting surprised um, because unfortunately that happens too often and being surprised that you're infringing someone else's things can be very, very expensive. And um, I don't care what people say about business. It's not just a business decision. It's very personal to all of us. And it can be heartbreaking if you have to, you've invested so much. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I've seen um, even just some weird things happen with like photos and, and that kind of thing, you know, being in the web design industry. Mm -hmm. 
um, with, I had one of my clients who had like an, a website that was created 20 years ago, um, before anybody knew anything about internet and like using other people, people's pictures and all of that stuff. And they had, um, a picture that they found on Google or Yahoo or whatever dog pile back then, who knows what it was. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> but, and it was a picture of a mountain and they put it on their website and literally as I'm getting to redesign their website, they got sued for it. I'm like, how does that even, like, it's been there for 20 years. Like, did you not notice it 20 years ago? But anyway, it's just an interesting thing and that it does happen. So it it's does. something. And probably like I, I represented a client about 15 years ago where that happened. Um, and they were doing everything above board or where our client was the, the, had the copyrights and the images mm-hmm. and found someone was using their images without permission and they had registered their copyrights, which is a key step that I'll be talking about. So I had to send a cease and desist letter to this woman. I was in California. They were in Ohio, whatever, you know, and, um, she was mortified, absolutely mortified. She's like, of course I'll take these down. She's like, my web designer just grabbed them mm-hmm. without permission and put them up on my website. Yeah. So that's a case where it was like, okay, resolved, you know? Yeah. And so there, there is accidental infringement, but it's still infringement. And that's, yeah. that's the unfortunate part in that. But yeah, yeah, it's amazing out there. Yeah. And I think it happens um, more than people think. I've encountered a lot of clients that you know, aren't aware that just Googling something doesn't mean that it's, um, okay for you to use. It's, it's really a kind of a, one of those areas that, um, requires a lot of education and, and that kind of thing. So I'm very excited about your, your talk so that way you can educate us. (laughs) Yeah. It's sort of like lots to look out for. I think, um, you know, I, I really love what I do, but sometimes I feel like come across as a downer, like you can't do that and you can't do it. Yeah. it's yeah. for your own good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a great commercial of like, you know, like, can I do this? No. Can no. I do that? No. Because <laughs> lawyers say it depends a lot, but sometimes you're just like, no. <laughs> no, you can't. No. <laughs> I love Work it. On a funny advertisement, that would be pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. That Maybe. sounds like a funny commercial to me. Um, <laughs> But, um, so what do you feel like is the number one, um, struggle of business owners when they're getting ready to either trademark or copyright something? I think that, um, if you're aware, if you already know what you need, you know, that, you know, this is important or you've sort of heard about it need to think about it. Um, so there's different stages. I think that, like I said, I got into business and that was a good five years with, you know, it just grew. And I think that's the entrepreneurial experience. Yeah. Um, so if you're in your first year, you might just be thinking about, I need my LLC or I'm a sole proprietor. Do I need to think about anything else? Yeah. Um, if you're farther along, you, you know, you like this business and you want to keep it going. And that's a really good time. If you haven't already to evaluate what your intellectual property is, you might be surprised that you have more than you think. And there's different ways to protect it. And I think the biggest shock is, is cost. And so preparing for that, um, it is an investment in your business, but if this is something you really want to grow, you don't want to grow anymore and have to be told you have to change your name when yeah. you've got four years, five, whatever, any amount of time really invested in your business and your brand. And imagine someone, you know, if you're actually infringing someone's work, that's that. 
you know, and how they are willing to work with you could be, okay, we'll work with you to change this, give you some time. Where I live in Montana now, there was a, a big financial institution that literally had to take the signs off the walls and change the letterhead and the business, you know, everything. Wow. And when you think about that expense, that's that huge. And, and the designers you've talked to and just everything, it's a really huge thing. And for smaller companies, that could cause you to close. You just don't have the funds to rebrand yeah. or reconnect. And so the sooner you can um, make sure that your brand is on track and there's ways to clear it and make sure you, you have comp you, you have rights. You don't have to register everything right away. And I'll talk more about the nuances, all of that, you know, when I get to give my presentation, but there's being proactive is the best way that saves heartache. Cause the other thing I get called is a dream killer. Yeah. <laughs> because if, if you've come to me and you say, Hey, I've got, you know, all these products and these trademarks and things, and I, I want to register them now I'm ready. And I search and go, you can't, mm -hmm. you, you, you're you just going to bring on a world of hurt. Yeah. So I get really invested in my own trademark. And if I wasn't able to use it anymore, I would be devastated because I think it really fits me, you know, yeah. and my company. So right. I think that's the biggest lesson is being proactive and understanding that, well, it, that it's an investment, mm -hmm. but it's also protecting the foundation of your business. Yeah. Um, so that you don't have to have this heartache later. Yeah, that's interesting. Is trademarking different for nonprofits, just out of curiosity? Um, no, uh, the, the way trademarks work, um, so my trademark is Start, Grow, Thrive. Mm -hmm. Consider it maybe a tagline because it's several words. And that is a trademark for legal services. Okay. Um, so uh, a photographer or a restaurant, like a restaurant would be for restaurant services, right? Mm -hmm. So right. a greenhouse could be start to grow thrive, but that's for plants. Okay. And so there's different channels. So a nonprofit would be about the services they're providing. Okay. And, and unless they were a legal nonprofit, they would be in their own class. Okay. That makes sense. So, okay. Yeah. So everyone can use them and you'll start to see, um, if you see an R in a circle, I think I was, I was just by running to the mall, like it was Marshall's or Ross, one of, you know, those. And I just looked up and they have the R in the circle next to the name on the building. Mm -hmm. Like you'll start to see it everywhere. And that means it's a registered trademark. Yeah. Oh, so major, major nonprofits also have uh, trademark registrations. So okay. no difference between uh, the purpose of a trademark is to really identify the brand and the source of the goods and services. Mm -hmm. That's the power of it. So anyone that is using it and providing goods or services actively, um, and I'm talking about the U.S., um, can have a registered trademark. Awesome. Okay. That is very exciting. I am really excited to watch your uh, session and learn more about trademark and copywriting because it's definitely something that I know I need to do, um, as we talked about before we started recording. But um, thank you so much for being a part of the Business Mom Summit and just sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here and I'm excited to not only be a speaker, but to listen to so many other fabulous speakers. Yeah, there so. are a ton of amazing ones just like you. <laughs> Thanks. Feel very validated. Good. <laughs> this episode of the Determined Mom Show is brought to you by the Business Mom Summit. If you're struggling with anything in your business, 
in your mindset, in your marketing, with your self-care, or even with your social media, this is the summit for you, featuring more than 30 speakers that are experts in their industry to help you up-level your life, your business, your social, your marketing, you get the picture, all for free. You can attend the Business Bomb Summit for free, and it is a virtual summit, so you don't have to fork out any cash for travel expenses or hotels or babysitters or any of those things. You can attend from the comfort of your own home. The Business Mom Summit will take place from April 20th through April 24th, and you can register at businessmomsummit.com, and you can also take a little sneak peek of preview interviews of our topics and our speakers on businessmomsummit.com. Can't wait to see you there.